Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast CTSnet The Beat. I am your host, Patrick Myers, a cardiac surgeon at the University of Lausanne and Geneva in Switzerland. CTSnet Beat focuses on the latest research, news, and interviews from the world of cardiothoracic surgery. We have quite a few very interesting studies and developments to discuss today, with the recent ACC and EuroPCR meetings having just been held virtually. Today, we'll talk about left atrial appendage occlusion during cardiac surgery, a meta-analysis on revascularization versus optimal medical therapy in stable coronary artery disease, the effect of the COVID pandemic on SAVR and TAVI volumes, and a guest editor series on CTSnet not to miss. First up, let's discuss the left atrial appendage occlusion trial, or LAAOS-3, that was presented at the virtual ACC meeting last week and simultaneously published in the New England Journal of Medicine. In this multi-center prospective randomized trial, just over 4,800 patients with atrial fibrillation, a CHADS-VASC-2 score of two or more, and scheduled for heart surgery were randomized to surgical closure of the left atrial appendage or heart surgery alone. Both groups received usual care, including remaining on anticoagulation. The primary outcome was the occurrence of ischemic stroke or systemic embolism. The trial participants, except for the surgeon, were blinded to the trial group assignment. There was little crossover, and stroke or systemic embolism during a mean follow-up of 3.8 years occurred in 4.8% of the occlusion group and 7% of the control group for an absolute risk reduction of 2.2% and a hazard ratio of 0.67, with a p-value of 0.001. Perioperative bleeding and other safety measures didn't differ between groups. This is a practice-changing study because it very elegantly shows that a simple procedure that added just a mean of six minutes to the bypass time significantly improved outcomes. Stroke and systemic embolism remains an Achilles heel for surgery, and any method designed to minimize this complication should be embraced. Left atrial appendage closure has been controversial, with studies showing that it can, if done incompletely or with uh, just a purse string, recanalize partially and increase the risk of embolism. The same holds true for percutaneous appendage closure. In this trial, only techniques that truly close the appendage were used, amputation and oversewing, staple closure, or double linear internal closure. Congratulations to Richard Whitlock and colleagues for this outstanding study. The design was simple and elegant with good hard outcomes. The trial has internal validity with concealed allocation assignment, robust blinding, although I wonder how the operating surgeon can't be involved after the procedure, minimal loss to follow-up or crossover, and outcomes that have little chance of bias. It also has external validity with the patient population being representative of patients with atrial fibrillation in our general cardiac surgery practice. As John Manrola outlines in theheart.org, the effect size is clinically important. This 2.2% absolute risk reduction compares favorably to that of other highly significant findings in our field, such as statins with a 1.2% absolute risk reduction in the Jupiter trial, or apixaban with a 0.6% absolute risk reduction in the Aristotle trial compared to warfarin, both of which have become part of our routine care. One final note regarding this trial. It was funded publicly, and the funders had no role in the design or conduct of the trial. It's refreshing to see that we can do trials without industry funding for very important questions in our field and have straightforward and unbiased outcome measures and statistical methods. It's also refreshing to see that the trial data is available on request, although unfortunately only five years after completion of the trial. Nabareze and colleagues presented at EuroPCR an updated meta-analysis of just under 20,000 patients 
wow, with stable coronary artery disease that were included from 25 RCTs. This was published simultaneously in a fast track in the European Heart Journal. Now, I just have to pause here. How can a meta-analysis have fast track review? It seems to me that these are some of the most complex manuscripts to review, and expertise and time are needed. This just doesn't seem compatible with fast track publication. This is also only the second fast track meta-analysis published in the European Heart Journal, the first being on almost the same subject and already brought up the cardio Twitter storm. This meta-analysis, with an impressive list of interventional cardiologists as authors, including Professor Martin Leon, but no surgeons as authors, pulled together data from trials going back to 1979, including the MASS-1 and 2 trials, all the way to ischemia and ischemia CKD. It concludes that revascularization through either PCI or cabbage yielded a lower risk of cardiac death with relative risk of 0.79, with a 95% confidence interval ranging from 0.67 to 0.93. There was also a lower risk of spontaneous myocardial infarction with a relative risk of 0.74, a confidence interval 0.64 to 0.86, and a p-value below 0.01. It's interesting to note that all-cause mortality, as well as any MI, not just the spontaneous, i.e. those that occur after the hazard of a procedure, didn't differ significantly according to the strategy. This is important because Mario Gardino and his colleagues recently showed that in PCI trials, non-cardiac mortality is increased in PCI patients, and using all-cause mortality is a better outcome measure than cardiac death, which needs to be ascertained and is thus subject to bias. Also of interest, when excluding cabbage, the relative risk of cardiac death is just barely significant, with a p-value of 0.03. This points to not very robust findings that are improved by including cabbage into the mix, as outlined by Professor Sanjay Kahl on Twitter. This further makes me wonder why we haven't seen the results of cabbage versus optimal medical therapy and PCI versus optimal medical therapy in the ischemia trial. Of course, this trial is not powered for such a subgroup analysis, but that hasn't kept the trialists from producing many other subgroup analyses, such as the recent one looking at completeness of revascularization and pushing a narrative. Cardiologists Dr. David Brown and Dr. William Bowden, no less than the first author of the COURAGE trial, went all the way to calling the, this Guantanamo Bay research on CardioTwitter, meaning that if you torture the data sufficiently, you get the answer you want. I think this sums up this contribution rather well and look forward to their editorial, which accompanies this meta-analysis in the European Heart Journal, but was not deemed urgent enough to publish as a fast track along with the main paper. The next paper I'd like to discuss is by Dr. Mamas and colleagues, who published an interesting study of the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on the activity and outcomes of the treatment of aortic stenosis in the UK which was just published in uh, Circulation Cardiovascular Interventions. They identified all of the 43,822 TAVI and SABR procedures in England from January 2017 to November 2020. They saw a sharp decrease in both SABR and TAVI cases during the pandemic, especially for elective cases, and estimated that just under 5,000 cases did not receive treatment due to the pandemic from March to November 2020. That's quite a large backlog, and knowing the extremely poor prognosis of untreated severe symptomatic aortic stenosis has likely already caused significant mortality. 
It's interesting that, unlike in this group's study on the treatment of left main coronary artery disease during the pandemic, which saw a large increase in PCI, there wasn't a significant shift from Saver to Tavi. Congratulations to Dr. Mamas and his colleagues for this very interesting and useful data. Finally, don't miss the current guest editor series of videos on CTSNet, which are being led by Dr. Mark Gerdish on surgery for atrial fibrillation. This is an area of surgery that we don't know enough about, yet so many of our patients stand to benefit from, as the left atrial appendage occlusion study showed very well. Don't miss Dr. Patrick McCarthy's historical perspective on the Cox Maze procedure, as well as a slew of technical videos on how to do AF surgery. Also not to miss, uh, coming up shortly, don't miss the AEPC meeting intended to be held in Gothenburg, but which unfortunately will be held virtually from May 25th to 27th. This is a great meeting for all our congenital cardiac surgeons, getting up-to-date sessions and lively discussions on congenital heart disease with our colleagues from pediatric cardiology. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beat. If you have an idea for a future episode or would like to come on to chat about recent events in the cardiothoracic community, please get in touch with us at ctsnet.org. I can personally be found on Twitter with the handle at P.O. Myers. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Music